Hey, this is Tom Church with Roleplaying Public Radio. Y- you thought you were done with me doing interviews with people, but you were wrong. <laughs> I am back with one of the uh, coolest authors I know. <laughs> Why, thank you. Oh, I'll go, to be fair, also, you're, I, you're like, I think, the fifth author I know. Okay. This, that's fair enough. Then. So okay, so my list of known authors—it's not like I you know, like oh yeah, me and Dostoevsky were tight. <laughs> I would be concerned if that were the case. <laughs> I, it, good reason too. Can't call the police. <laughs> so how how often have you been conducting seances? Well, I don't know about seances, but there's like every night at like eleven thirty-seven p.m. exactly, I start hearing voices. Yeah, call the police now. Um, where, where's my cell phone? <laughs> But anyway, so why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself for our listeners? All right. Hi, I'm Deborah Davitt. I'm the author of The Valkyrie and also of the forthcoming The Goddess Denied. Both are the part of the saga of Edda Earth. Which is why we are here again. Yes, the second book is on its way. Mm-hmm. Which I And I have now seen the uh, cover art and damn. <laughs> yeah, my artist kind of kicked some ass on that one. Oh my god, yeah, just... Looking at, like, okay, like, why can't we get more, like, I, book covers used to be, like, an art form in and of itself. Yes, they did. They very much did. And then we seem to have gone into this mode now in the industry where everything is, they they they, they kind of want it to be all sort of, I don't know, all, 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 single tones or, you know, geometric shapes or something like that. Probably because right. it's or just, or just Or just words. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it used to be, remember the old, like, like album covers mm-hmm. used to be, like, especially, like, 80, like, out metal album covers, like, demons and dragons all over them. Yeah, that, that, that was a little on the Baroque side, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, my, my one problem with the old book, book art was that it, very often it was fairly clear that the author had no input on what this was at all, and the artist never. And the, yeah. and, the, and, the, and, the, and the artist had been told by somebody on the phone, "Draw something like this," as opposed to any any excerpt from the book ever crossing the artist's desk. So I'd be sitting there going, "Okay, but the main character doesn't have that color of hair. Doesn't look like that. Doesn't have a mustache. And what is that thing he's fighting that isn't anywhere in the book?" Yeah, like I didn't put where I didn't put werewolves in there or. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> so it was, sometimes it was pretty much obvious that they had absolutely no correlation whatsoever to the book at hand. I'm thinking of some of the Witch World covers that were they're, – they're, they're beautiful covers, but they had absolutely nothing to do with the book that they covered. But um, – <laughs> On the other hand, you know, then we then we have the current era of okay, we want polygon shapes. We want we want a, sort of you know a, a transitional fade across it. That's kind of boring. Or like or a picture of a house. Yeah. Well, we 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 found this on on the on a free uh, on a free line art site. That that'll work. That's cheap. It, that's like that's almost as infuriating as Tally's face from Mass Effect Three. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, not that I dwell on that at all. Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's been a few years. I, I I've I've mentally tried to move on from that as a whole. So <laughs> it's like I had to move on. It was consuming my life. No, I tried not to let that happen. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so yeah, and what is once again? What is the name of this next book? This book is called "The Goddess Denied." And is there a goddess that is denied? Yes. 
okay, I, that makes total sense to me. No, well, the, the the third book is the goddess embraced, so it d- does follow a nice little uh little chain there. Actually, my husband came, oh, my right. husband actually came up with the titles after he after he read everything. I was trying to find good break spots because I had written this all as one enormous narrative. I went, I need to find break spots. I read, and he said, "Well, the first book is pretty much the, what covers the Valkyrie. The second book's title could be the the goddess denied, and the third one could be the goddess embraced." I'm like. You're brilliant. You're a genius. Those are fantastic titles. And I was able to find absolutely perfect spots to break the narrative. So while everything is still very, you know, long, because I don't write anything that's short, um, it they are pretty good break points like that. I have because of, you know, looking at printing costs, if I were ever going to print this on my own, I have looked at and identified places where I could break it into much shorter novels but then I'd have to give up the perfect titles, and I and people would be going, but 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 I remember reading this as one much larger book, and I'd be going, yeah, but if I give it to you as that one much larger book, it would cost me forty four dollars to print it, and then I'd have to charge you more than that just to make a profit. So does like so does does, the, does your husband get royalty checks for that idea? <laughs> Um, my my royalty checks are so minuscule uh, that you would not even believe it, and I definitely have spent more on advertising than I have received in uh, in revenue so far. So it's like here's your check for three quarters of a penny. Not quite that bad, but you know, at this point in time, I'm basically having to regard this as sort of like doing a startup business, and you have to put some capital down in order to you know to to grow your business. And unfortunately, it's. It, it, money out does not equal money in at the moment. Hey, that's true. I mean, Walter White had to do the same thing. He had to buy that first RV for the meth lab. This is the Breaking Bad guy? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's okay. You, you have to understand that my, my husband makes fun of me libelously because of my lack of knowledge of pop culture. He says, it's wonderful. Anything before, you know, 1900, you are absolutely aces at. You know everything about everything about the renaissance and the medieval era and you can tell me all these crazy things about how they had the the, the shells from the from the nuts at the at the globe theater were pretty much the ground floor that's what they used to cover you can tell me all this crap about this but i make a pop culture reference and you stare at me blankly so <laughs> well yeah it's the, the two of you compliment each other he's yeah you're everything in the past and he's everything now Largely, I mean, he, he he does know quite a bit about the past as well. He just is a little bit more in tune with the present than I am. Well, that's fine. I don't even have TV. Come on, the only thing I watch is The Daily Show. That's if it's and then anything then Netflix is fair game. Netflix is pretty much what we use. Yeah, we 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 had to break down and actually get uh, a cable box just to make our cable internet a little bit less expensive and faster. We turned it on once. And I went. And we both went, what's with all the ads? Oh, it burns us. It burns us. Turn it off. Turn it off. And we haven't actually turned it back on since. So, There you go. Okay, yeah, we totally got sidetracked there, didn't we? Yeah, we, we? totally did. We that, did was, that. It was my, that, that was my fault. Because it's, it's noble to take blame. <laughs> well, now that you've thrown yourself on your sword, we can get back on track. Awesome. So, this, uh, the, yeah, the first book was yeah, The Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if for those of you who don't know what that is, I interviewed her about the first one. You should know by now. <laughs> but it's a, just in case we have people coming in that are just coming in and are too afraid to listen to an interview in the, that was in the past because it's too much like time travel. Are you? Is this yeah. your scolding voice? 
I don't know. I don't really use it that often if I have one. Okay, just checking. But still, yeah, if, you, if you're too afraid to go back and listen to something in the past, that's sad. <laughs> but yeah, so why, don't, like, so why don't we just briefly again go over, you know, the, the premise. All right. Uh, 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 the Cliff Notes version. Oh, the Cliff Notes version. Okay. Um, essentially, uh, the entire series is an alternate history with fantasy and science fiction elements. The essential premise is that Rome never fell. Uh, therefore, history as a whole has been very different. We start off with the assumption that Julius Caesar was not brutally murdered in, in the Senate building. Brutus Sacrifice. Brut- Brutus, 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 Brutus was a bro. Yeah, he was. He was a he was a bro to him. Yeah, exactly. He th- basically threw himself in front of the daggers, and Caesar uh, esca- escaped certain death. He broke the prophecy, and, and he went on, and he ruled, ruled the empire. And then his son by Cleopatra took over. And since his son by Cleopatra was a godborn, which is to say that he descended from the line of Mars and Venus on his father's side, and this is something that uh, Cleo- that. Uh, Caesar actually claimed in his own lifetime historically that he was a descendant of Venus, and he also descended from Cleopatra, and therefore he descended from the line through the Ptolemies back to the original pharaohs of Egypt. Therefore, he would have descended theoretically from Isis and Osiris and people like that. So he has all the powers of both lineages in his blood, and therefore he becomes Caesarian, the godborn, and rules Rome. So we have stability as opposed to the incessant warfare of the uh, Late uh, Republican, early Imperial eras, and oh, man. And Rome, no, no, no. Rome, Rome starts to go across more and more and more of the world. So, and therefore, history as a whole is completely different. We don't have you know Leonardo da Vinci in the Renaissance because there is no Renaissance, there is no rebirth because Rome never fell. So, so there's no Dark Ages. No Dark Ages. Ah, oh, but man, no Emperor Crazy Little Boots. Nope, no Caligula. Sorry. Or Nero, who there, 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 there is a there there is an early decadent and a and a later decadent period, but and there there were some emperors that had to be quietly removed here and there along the line, but you know they're they're not really the focus of the narrative. So. Yeah, more along the lines. Yeah, this emperor is kind of a you know, weird. It's not not quite. Oh my God, we have a total psychopath for an emperor. Well, if you have a total psychopath who has godborn powers, you're probably going to need another godborn to take them out. Yeah, you're you're boned. <laughs> But yes, and I said I have not finished this book because oh, for life. Shame for shame. I for know, shame. I know. But it's one of those. I will say it's one of those books that I pick up and I don't notice that like six hours has gone by. <laughs> that that was the situation. Like I'm reading this and it's kind of dark and oh my god, the sun's down. <laughs> That's one of the nicest compliments you could possibly have given me. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem. I and I'm. I'm fair, I'm somewhat critical of books because I've God I've read some crap. Haven't in my life. we all? And but I've also I also know when I'm reading something good, and that was definitely it. Well, good. You you don't know what art is, but you know it when you like it. Exactly. Okay. So and this so this will then get us into uh, book two. Mm-hmm. So we le- you know we left off with uh, your characters. It's I mean it was uh, Sigrun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the name. It was the Valkyries. Yeah, name. she is. And uh, I'm I'm looking at these names, trying not to mangle them. Matrinus, which was you know, a uh, summoner. Mm-hmm. He's a summoner and a lay mage. Basically, one of the things that people have pointed out is that not only did I create one system of magic, but I created basically three or four, depending on how you want to count it. Uh, and they, most most people seem to be really enjoying them, and they find them to be 
realistic as much as a magic system can. Uh, you've got you've got the Godborn who uh, basically descend from the real gods of this of this setting, and therefore they have basically the powers of their ancestors, at least in some limited form. You have summoners who who literally summon spirits from an alternate universe called the veil and therefore they can you know make bargains with them for the use of the spirit's powers you have sorcerers and technomancers who basically fall under the same uh, umbrella who use the power of their will and the power inherent in the environment around them and technomancers in particular use science as well to try and engage with the universe around them so they're not limited to four elements five if you can count if you count wood or heart or whatever but they're, they're, they they use the actual forces of the universe around them and then you also have lay mages who use basically cosmic strings to mm-hmm. manipulate uh, again the universe around them so Trennis is both a summoner and a lay, and a lay mage and uh, I think and my favorite is still, uh, is it Adam Benoit? Mm-hmm. Am I getting that name that, right? That's correct, yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah, just like I like I, he's from Judea, so he's totally non-magical. Totally non-magical. They, 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 they have not used magic since about uh, a thousand years before the ascent of Caesar. And they have instead progressed technologically. And they're they're one of the leading uh, forces of technology in the setting, along with uh, Hellas, you know, Greece, and uh, the the cur- current uh, embodiment of Japan, which is Nippon. All three of those have a stronger technological bent than other societies, but the, or Hellas and Nippon both have a strong te- uh, technomancy bent. Judea has nothing but technology, no magic whatsoever. And I, I can't help. It. I like him just because he's the guy packing a gun mm-hmm. and not a not a single shot gun either. No, no, he, he's the only one with a revolver. Yes. <laughs> so, and uh, I, I think I like he's of the rather important characters. I think he's largely the, he's the one that the average person reading can latch onto because he's the normal guy in this group of mages and godborn. He's 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 also the one who ha- stands in for the audience in terms of morality and sort of a touchstone because again as a Judean he he, he is the closest and equivalent to the, the most of the audience because most of the audience is going to be monotheistic or at least come mm-hmm. come from a monotheistic culture overall. So he, he's the one who has the basically the same well, maybe not exactly the same values, but he's the closest to. So he, he he's a, a lot of our initial view in the Valkyrie of what is this crazy world, but he's not – a lot of the time in fiction, you'll see – you know, you, you go back to the Renaissance and you have one character who's standing there going, oh my god, I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe that you just – you know, that, that's so hypocritical and I don't, I don't understand why you did that and why, why did you just have that person tortured and blah, 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 blah. But, but the Renaissance person in general wouldn't have been going, oh my god, I can't believe you tortured them. and be like, oh man, I can't, believe you, I can't believe you were stupid enough to wind up in the Isle of Dogs and having your nostrils slit. What were you thinking? You know that was going to happen. Uh, as I, and why are you complaining? They left your eyes intact. Uh, sucks to be you. I'm sorry you had your had your ears cut off, but you did kind of, you know, engage in some vaguely, you know, seditious speech against the monarch. That, that's the sort of thing that's going to happen, and you're lucky that that's all that happened and that your play got burned. I'm sorry. It's like fucking tourists. Yeah, the, 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 that that and you're just such a moron. You knew you were pushing it. You know there's secret police out there in the audience. You know all this stuff. You're stupid. 
So, and, and I gotta and I gotta say, like, I read it. I still find Rome's judicial, like, justice system, totally insane. And that's what the modern audience yeah. would indeed react to. But you know, for these characters, it's a matter of course. Adam, as our touchstone character, can think, okay, well, that's a little bit odd. But then, then he just you know moves on because he's a he's a part of part of Rome, even though he's from a from a province of it. He's enough of an outsider to recognize, okay, that's you know not the way I'd prefer to do it myself. But you know, it's also a matter of course for him. Yeah, and it's like when Antonius uh, Lavorus says, you know, like, I could technically crucify all your males, enslave all your women and children, and raise your town to the ground. I mean, he's saying that with, you know, the authority of the ruling government. Mm-hmm. Like, I could, I, I, I could, could totally I could do, this. do this. I'm choosing not to. I'm choosing to go a different way because I'm me and I'm not, you know, some other person who could have been sent here. You may now thank me for my mercy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, God Damn, like I like this character, but damn. <laughs> well, <And> so, <laughs> he he chooses not to. That's one of Lavoris's uh, main character notes is that he is very restrained with his use of power. Yeah, but it's just like that he could do that. I think is really is a pretty cool part of the book that you can go. God, shit, man. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things from the from the late Republican period of Rome that are just that when I was originally reading about them, you just are sitting there with your mouth falling open. And go, and these were the civilized option. Yeah, and they I weren't saw actually you, all that civilized. <laughs> yeah, like and like you have in your book that there's televised gladiatorial fights. Well, not not every gladiatorial combat in ancient Rome. They the was, no, they certainly were not. Yeah. They, they were professional athletes. You, 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 and they were, a huge amount of money was invested into them, into their training and their feeding and their care. And they, and they were rock stars. They were rock stars, yeah. I mean, they, they, were, they were sort of, you know, lower class rock stars, but they were still rock stars. You don't necessarily have expend all of that by having them kill each other every single time you have a gladiatorial competition. It's it, no. If it was particularly an important battle if it was if they were doing a, a judicial execution on the sands that's one thing and if two gladiators had just decided they had had enough of each other they've insulted each other too many times when wwe got too real it was actually real but you know not it was didn't happen all that often and yeah that that is exactly what i was hearing about that that's how i imagined it like wwe wrestling yeah the gladiators on tv you know just talking shit about their opponents and then maybe one of them actually did sleep with the other ones, you know, particular lady of the week and offended him too much and it actually got real. Okay, well, come maybe. On. This is this is Rome. There was a lot of in, there was a lot of cheating and sleeping with women going on. I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's why that's why that's such a you know read because it's mixing what you know to be kind of modern day with mm-hmm. Roman sensibilities which are not that civilized. Exactly, but you know, I, I wanted to sort of walk a line between sh- reminding the reader that this this isn't this isn't your familiar world outside your door, and some of the elements that are familiar. So I was trying to blend them. Syncretism, I think, is the word I was pretty much going for. Right. Well. And uh, as before the last time, we uh, got some questions. You know, we we uh, asked you know, ask your readers and the fans to like submit your questions. What you want to ask me for this next interview? <laughs> we only really got one question that everyone wanted to know, which was, "What can we expect in book two? Um. So, <laughs> so why don't we, uh, without you know, I guess without I guess without too many spoilers or whatever, 
What can we expect in book two? Well, in book one, we kind of set up the world so that people can, and we set up also the central question of why are some people turning to human sacrifice? Why, wh- wh- why do the gods think that the world is about to end? Why, 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 are, why are they setting up for this? Um, where are your gods at? Pretty much, yeah. And then book two, we start to see things starting to deteriorate. We start to see why you know, the world might be coming slowly, inevitably to an end. We, we've moved forward a decade or so in time. We're now in 1970 AC as opposed to 1955 or 1960 AC like we were in the first book. And, and the lands of the north, um, there are rumors of giant wolves as big as horses. There are rumors of insane giants running around Jotun. Um, there are rumors of lindworms, very small, well, small, you know, elephant-sized dragons running around. And Sigrun also finds that she has come under a curse, and she's not entirely sure why this has happened, but it appears that someone has cursed her with barrenness, and she's starting to investigate that. In the course of investigating that, she discovers that Fritigil, the girl from the beginning of the, the very beginning of the first book, has gone missing, and it seems to be tied in somehow with Loki. So all that is going on in the lands of the north, and so pretty much once that part of the plot has been resolved, we start to see unrest in the in the Carthaginian portion of the empire. And you see the Carthaginian Liberation Party starting to rebel against the yoke of Rome. And there, the, this particular political organization doesn't just want freedom from Rome. They want to put the power of the gods in every human hand. And that generally does not end well. What could go wrong with everyone having magical powers? Uh, well, I guess we can fi- read it and find out just how badly it like, can go wrong. Like, except every D and D campaign I've ever been in. And that's just a couple. That's that's just four psychopaths around a table. How about everybody? No, <laughs> just, no, very, very no, very no. And uh, actually, there's I, I did have a couple questions of my own that I thought up. Uh, one was just, it's a history thing. Because mm-hmm. when I heard some of this guy was from Carthage, I'm like, oh, wait, didn't Scipio yes. defeat Carthage? Totally. And there wasn't Carthage then raised to the ground before yeah, and, Caesar? Yeah, and, and, and this particular, we, we, some, some of the divergence has actually happened before Caesar. So, it, okay. so, so this particular divergence did occur uh, while Rome did indeed uh, wind up smacking the living hell out of Carthage, they'd basically subjugated them as opposed to raising it to the ground. And they and Carthage still pays a token tribute in silver every single year and has for thousands of years at this point in time, which is one of the reasons why there is so much unrest. Carthage itself uh, has most of its historical uh, boundaries as, as a province. It is most of North Africa and the section of the Middle East, which would be currently Lebanon in today's world. Uh, Kanmi uh, Eshmunazar, our, our technomancer, hails from Tyre, so he's basically, in appearance, he would be sort of, you know, Lebanese. Sure. Okay, I, I, I got that. Like, wait a minute, wasn't, like, wait, wasn't Carthage utterly destroyed by this point? Uh, no, nah, in this particular case, they, they decided to make use of them rather than, you know, just, you know, destroying the entire civilization. So they retained their language, and they also retained some minuscule amount of self-rule, which they've sort of won back a little bit over, over the centuries, but they are still a province of Rome. Okay, so and but I'm guessing Hannibal was probably killed. 
Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Well, he was—he was also killed historically. Once, once he got, yeah, got, once he finished right, got right. In, getting over the Alps and tromping back and forth over, you know, the Italian peninsula several times. Yeah, they finally. Hey, we need you to come back. Like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> really? Can't you guys handle that particular theater of the war? I've been busy here, you know, defeating the Romans at every possible turn on their own turf. It's like, yeah, well, we suck over here. Like, ugh. fine. After I've given up my eye and I've given up, you know, my brother, my brother and everything else. Let's just, okay, fine. I'll pack what's left of the elephants onto a ship and go over there. Ah, oh, you guys suck. <laughs> I, uh, like, and that's politics for you. I should have left a brother. I should have left one of my brothers back down in, in, in northern Africa, and he could have been actually, you know, handling this better. <sighs> Should have kept it in the family. Yeah, but yeah. So okay, yeah, I, yeah. We definitely don't want to, the book hasn't been released quite yet as of now. Not quite yet. I am waiting to get the. Uh, I've been basically in talks with a publicist, um, and I wanted to get that sort of squared away before I went ahead and released. So. All right. Well, uh, when it's out, we will, of course, include a link to the uh, to where you can buy it. Yeah, it's it's basically the cover. It's done. Have to you know put 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 lettering on it. Get get everything finished with Amazon and Bowker so that the ISBN is per- properly associated with it. And finish talks with the publicist. I, she had just responded back to me again this morning. So I just have to figure out which which of the two packages I want to go with and go from there. Awesome. All right, now there's two thing questions since I thought of, of two questions involving this. Uh, okay. First of all, I'd like to ask you of your uh, experience with trying to promote your the first book. Because <laughs> oh, I'm, I what, mean, what about that? <laughs> Would you yeah, like I mean, to know? I mean, well, I mean, you've told me a, a few of your adventures, but you know, uh, a lot of people like uh, are they you know they we've talked about it la- the last interview of you know writing your own story and self-publishing, yeah. but a lot of people don't know about the, you got to pimp your work if you want it to be known. Yeah, you do. And, and it, it, it really, it, it saps the will. It really does. <laughs> um, there are a number of different venues I have tried to publicize uh, the book in. Uh, a lot of, I, I started off with basically self-advertising on Project Wonderful and Project Wonderful has been very good to me so far. And, um, at least with Project Wonderful, you pretty much can micromanage to your heart's content or not, and you you bid how much you're willing to pay a day, and you are charged more or less per click, and by, but also by how 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 many views that sort of thing. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from that. I've gotten a, I have a lot of things I can definitely show as that was a. I started advertising on Monday. I had sales on Monday, and then when I stopped advertising, I could see okay, fewer sales. I can directly tie sales to Project Wonderful, so they are currently my favorite. I tried advertising on Facebook, where and you see a big spike, and then it sends to plateau in terms of interest, and then it goes away completely. So I'm trying to figure out how to get legs to keep keep it going on that particular thing. I tried advertising on Goodreads, and I am quite sure that with Goodreads, it winds up being 
sort of a viral thing. So you have to get pe- people who are already on Goodreads to review it and, and rate it and comment on it and talk about it. Or you as the author pretty much have to go diving into their forums and commenting on everybody else's books and you know, spending you know, all your time writing five-paragraph five essays on what you liked about other people's books and engaging in conversation. Just to, you know, sort of reel people in to, uh, to, to looking at what you have published. And I don't, I don't want to spend my time doing that, to be perfectly honest. I, it, that sounds exhausting. It, it sounds kind of tiring. And there are, are there other things I would rather be writing than stuff about – books that i read you know yeah. 10 or 15 years ago yeah that that, that kind of that sounds like you're like you're like a boxer getting back to your ring and like and mickey is there like all right you're like you're doing good advertisement get back in there it's not gonna sell itself well there there's there's definitely an element of that yeah but um th- then i also took a look at google adwords and google adwords i i i, I went about five rounds with with their with their technical support people or at least their their their, their marketing people and i could not get them to admit this but it's it, i believe it is true basically you start off with and i only did this because they had like a buy 25 dollars worth of advertising get 100 dollars worth of advertising free if you do this before january 31st i'm like okay that 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 25 bucks sounds like it's not a bad investment just to see how the system works you start off with you know here he, here's your you know tiny little ad you have to encapsulate your book into this many characters and you put that up and you have to tie keywords to it well the names of the gods of, of Norse mythology, you know, Thor and Loki and Odin, came back as you can't use the your, – your ad is not showing because those keywords are copyrighted. I'm like, they're Norse mythology. How can they possibly be copyrighted? Marvel did not own them 2,000 years ago. They don't own them now. But apparently since they're copyrighted, they're basically that, – that locks you out of your ad being seen. I tried a variety of other ones that it came – like – Let's see, Valkyrie. It's the title of the book. That that came back to me with your ad is not being seen because we, we, your your keywords have low relevance. I'm like it's the title of the book, but basically what they have is they have an engine of previous results and previous clicks from all the things that they have ever had clicked and in, uh, in in the history of Google. And that, that's a fairly weighty archive of, of clicks and things. But it's the, it, you have to basically train it to understand that Valkyrie, oh, Valkyrie, that is relevant. People clicked on that because of that. Okay. So you, but you have to basically pump in uh, your, your, your price per click has to be way high to even get it seen at first so that people can click it. So you're paying, you know, five bucks for a click. So then all of a sudden your, your budget is already gone. And then, but then you're training it. And so the people at, at Google AdWords were going, well, you don't, you, you, the reason why your budget went so fast is because you had your clicks, your price per click so high. I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't actually showing. The ad was not displaying because I had low relevance, even though it was the title of the book. But so to overcome the low relevance and train it, you had to really up your price. So, and they, they, they would not admit the catch 22. They just wouldn't do it. But basically, I figure it like this. There's probably a sweet spot somewhere in the future where I would have trained it so well that it would understand, yes, this is relevant. We will show it all the time. But you have to throw so much money at it to train it that I didn't think it was actually worth my time. Like, like what is this, Pokemon? <laughs> The, 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 other, the other things that you're supposed to be able to do is to be able to tailor your audience. Well, that's fine and dandy, but I want you to have a wide 
spread advertising campaign so that people become aware of it but uh, or you can have a niche campaign where people will uh, or are already aware of it or are tightly tied to alternate history which was low relevance and fantasy which was low relevance and science fiction which was low relevance so those things just didn't really work out well for me in that particular respect but hey for a 25 buck investment it wasn't that bad like um hey and you knew a guy that had a podcast too there is that that was very helpful um, a, a couple of people have said that they found the book through your podcast, and I'm very grateful and appreciative of that. Well, RBPR is wonderful. Yeah, they just sell really good people. Self plug, <laughs> self plug indeed. Um, also, I want you to know this. It's not quite uh, to the book book itself, but I was I was curious. Do you have a like a specific like writing environment you have to have? You know, like do you have to have like you know, like me? Like when I start writing, I have to have like a beverage next to me. You know, some kind of music playing that's instrumental. Instrumental does help because unless it's a song that directly relates to a character in my head, words tend to get in the way of the words in my head. But if it's a a song that uh, really, really tightly conveys to me the essence of a character, I can basically listen to that one when I'm writing that character, and that does help. My question is that, well, what's your your environment to – induce the writing to come forth um uh well considering the fact that i was taking my tablet to my son's karate class or rather his taekwondo <laughs> class and jamming my earbuds in my ear and writing there there may not be really a writing you know environment so much as when 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 the characters are talking the characters are talking um it's kind of the you have to be ready. Like, ooh, shit! I I, I think I know what this guy's a person could say. No, well, when I was f- fully immersed in writing, I would get up, I'd knock out whatever work I had for you know real work out of the way, and while I was waiting for them to get back to me to things, I would turn on my music and I would write, even if I you know didn't feel like writing. Uh, again, it goes back to Frank Herbert. You know, he saw no qualitative difference between the days when he was inspired to write and the days when he just wrote to get his 20 pages done. So I would basically start there. And w- once you get past the inertial, you know, you have to have to move the start, start the boulder moving, the boulder starts to move. And the boulder starts basically, to carry you along with it. Breaking the power of the white. Um, I, I wouldn't call it that. It's just you have to have inertia. At the moment, I'd, because I've been in editing mode for about a year now, as I've been revising this and revising this and revising this, and people have reported typos in, and I've fixed the typos, and I've done about eight to ten drafts of this at this point in time, just with the re- revising and cleaning and refreshing and getting it ready. At this point in time, I'm not actually sure I know how to write anymore. <laughs> I, I, I look at the words on the page, and I pretty much hate them and I don't want to, and the characters are very tired and they don't want to you know get out of bed and do anything so it's, right. it's time to probably cha- change change venues cha- change environment change environments yeah. have, have different characters have a different setting for yeah. a little while and just look at your tab like you're dead to me <laughs> the, 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 the characters are just not really wanting to play at the moment so we'll, we'll see yeah, I mean, I've like kind of actually found like sometimes when I don't want to write a story, but I really want to write a character. Mm. And I, I don't know. Do you ever find that? At, like, oh, I don't like you don't write this chapter, but I am going to have this character speaking, and I love writing him. 
basically what I find is um, because, because my writing process basically starts with uh, with a loose outline. I don't get married to my outline. I, 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 don't, I don't put a ring on it and, I, and the, the, the outline can change because it's, it's a growing and organic thing. But I find myself driving towards signpost scenes. I want to write that scene. That scene is going to be an awesome scene. But I have to do scene A, B, C, and D to get to scene E. So I, I, yeah. I grind my way through the scenes that needed to be done to set up and support this amazing scene when I get there. And when I finally get to write that scene, it's like, yes! And it's, it's, it's a reward. It, 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 it is a reward. And it's, it's an adrenaline rush to finally have gotten to write that scene. And that scene usually sets up scene you know, L way down the line. So then I have to get through all this other stuff. I have to untangle all the consequences of scene E. And then you have to manipulate through that. And then finally, all of a sudden, you've arrived at L. And you didn't even know that, how you got there because it, it was, there was so much flow forward to it. So yeah. at the moment, uh, as I said, I'm a tiny bit burned out on my own setting. So I want to finish off a couple of uh, minor novellas that I was writing. And I want to, you know, change venues a little bit here so yeah that's the yeah, you can get burned out and so, some of the self-promotion and everything like that can really contribute to the burnout because it's like nothing's going anywhere why won't this thing move i've just been throwing myself at this boulder and it just sits there and looks at me like hey i'm a rock <laughs> yeah I, I imagine probably lovecraft like oh, do i really have to write more cosmic horror today <laughs> Can't can't I write like a comedy or something? Well, s- some authors have basically kind of done it to themselves. I mean, poor poor, uh, poor Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He he wanted to put Sherlock Holmes to bed, so he he killed off the character, and then everybody just re- revolted and said, "You have to bring Holmes back." All right, fine, I'm bringing him back. I wanted to go write some you know s- some science fictiony sort of things, but nobody wants to read it. So here, have some more Holmes. Here, like, like have that. another mystery. <laughs> Like thank you, I'm, I'm yeah. Enjoy your junk food. Well, he 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 wrote really well, and he did the real justice to the character. But he, I know he the man was tired of that character. He was tired of it, and but everybody lined up for more of that. And so you you get to a point where you have to be able to end the story, and sometimes people just won't let you end it. And yeah. I'm- a lot of TV shows have done that. Well, TVs and TV shows and, sorry to say, some comics have basically done that to themselves too because they want to keep perpetuating it because that's how the, where the money comes from. If, you, if we end the story, that we have to come up with something new. So we're just going to go back to the origin story again. Yeah, but make it contemporary. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's actually one of the, I actually sort of confront some of that in in Edda is, is the, the 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 comic book origin story or the fact that they seem to all get stuck around, you know, my father is dead. So the the, the various godborn, one of the thesis of them is that most godborn get stuck around some crystallizing defining moment and they get locked around that forever. And so some of them have to learn how to break that. They have to learn how to grow up. They have to learn have to learn how to be People who get past the moment of tragedy and become something more. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if people like it. Okay. Well, I think that about covers it. Um, okay. I, I'm certainly going to buy this book. Even, 
even before I finish, I know like I, I know this is one of those books. Like I'm not going to have to worry about this because I, I like the first one so much. Well, I'm really grateful that you enjoyed it so far, and I'm looking forward to having some more response from you as you continue through. Oh yes, I will keep you up to speed about things that I liked or things that blew my mind. <laughs> well, what what has blown your mind so far? Um, so well, so far. <clears throat> Without really, I guess without really knowing it, the line that the dying, you know, Godborn gave the you know the Valkyrie was, "Do you know where your gods are?" Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, that is a kick-ass. It's a kick-ass fight. You know, with my last breath, I you know I spit, spit at, at you. <laughs> and the fact, and the fact that it, it, it actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that's going to really bother you. <laughs> yeah, and even I'm like. That was that was important. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not even sure where this is going, but I'm pretty sure that was important. Yeah, that 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 first scene sets up quite a bit of everything, and the, the people aren't going to actually understand it until mm, book three. Yeah, and I'm it's it's not. I mean, he could have said like "Tear is a duty face," <laughs> like "Hey," like "Well, you're dead. Deal with it." Yeah. Um. I, th- I think the, the, the smart readers are going to have it figured out long before the characters do, but um, the, 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 char- the characters, everything gets explained, and it gets all supported, and everybody will understand everything, hopefully. Um, I, I, a couple of my test readers I have found, once when they, my, my typo whackers went through, and they were my first readers to go through completely cold through the entire series without you know me saying pretty much anything to them as they were reading it. Besides, yeah, you're getting it. No, you're not getting it. Um, you'll see more or something like that. So one of the typo whackers got to the end and went, I, I didn't get it. I don't understand. And they listed off all these questions. I'm like, well, because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. The other type of whacker who uh, speaks Russian natively, so she's re- reading this in not her not her original language and went through a little slower. As she was going along, I went, yes, you're getting it. Yes, you're getting it. Yes, you're getting it. She got to the end and went, everything made sense. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to have basically a couple of camps of readers at the very end of all this. I'm going to have the camp of readers who go, I followed everything. I followed the bouncing ball. I liked it. It was awesome. It made sense. I'm going to have people who went, I went all the way to the end and I got it, but I don't like it. And I'm going to have the people who went got all the way to the end and went, I don't get it. Somebody help me. I need a lifeline. I'm like, okay. Like, like, give me a, I need a juice box. That, that, but none of it made sense. What about this? What about this? But that was explained there. Oh. And that was explained there. Oh, to the wiki. Well, it, is, yeah, it is my goal that I'll finish this. Like, I read it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and it, also, I will def and we will be right back here uh, for for book three when it's ready to about to come well, out. I hope everybody does enjoy, and that'll hopefully be sometime this year. We'll we'll see how things go. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from Daw on actual publication, you know, physical publication. But we'll we'll see. Ho- hopefully, they'll like it. Awesome. I would also. I, I like I, my bookcase isn't big, but I'd like to have uh, these books on there. <laughs> well, then you might need some structural support for it. Uh, it's it's strong. Okay. Trust good. me. Yeah, I've I've got some I've got some really thick volumes there. Good. Excellent. Okay. Well, I think uh, this I think this about covers it for book two because I think I think you told me about but what you could without spoiling it. I think so. I hope so. I hope people find it intriguing. I uh, if if it's as much as intriguing as the first book, I think they will. Awesome. All right, so uh, once again, this is Tom Church with Role Playing Public Radio with uh, Deborah Davitt as well, and we will see you for book three. All right, talk to you later.
See you later. Bye-bye.